Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Oh, I, I, I'm going to ask you again. Good morning, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Yeah, that's more like it. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us in the building. And for those of you who are watching online, welcome. We are so glad you have joined us um, for worship today. And to our South Augusta Church family, we say welcome. We're so glad you are with us live for the first time. We are one church in two locations here at uh, Stevens Creek Road and there at Peach Orchard Road. I'm so glad that our church family could worship together. That is good news. Great day. And Pastor Marty, I know you are watching online. We miss you. We hope that you get back here quickly and safely. And, you know, in honor of Pastor Marty, I really considered starting with a joke, but then my wife told me I'm really not that funny. So um, I'm going to skip that part. But if you have your Bibles, uh, turn or click with me to Ephesians chapter 1, starting at the 15th verse. Ephesians chapter 1 starting at the 15th verse. And it says, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich inheritance, his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That is some good scripture. That make you want to preach. But for the next few moments, I want to talk to you guys about a way forward, a way forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all, I love my church. I love my church, and I am so excited to be back here and uh, to be in service, in person. And no, it is not just your beautiful faces and your fancy outfits. No, it's not just your warm smiles. If I'm being honest, I'm glad to be back in church because I'm glad to be out of the house. Is anybody else in agreement with me? You, you just tired of being stuck in the house. Um, now, um, y'all don't judge me. 
I love my family. I love them dearly. They mean the world to me. But what I learned through this shelter-in-place experience is that every now and then, I need my space. I need my space. You see, no matter where I went in my house, I had no space. I'd go and lay on the couch, and they would come and lay down on me. I'd go upstairs and try to read quietly, and they would bring the noise upstairs with them. I even went to the bathroom thinking that I would have a break in there, but my nearly three-year-old busted open the door and said, Daddy, what you doing? There was no space at all. Y'all, I identified with the 90s uh, poet DMX who said, I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. But here's the real dangerous part is that it got worse, y'all, because what they realized at about day 3000 of quarantine is that it began to really get on my nerves so they would do everything they could to really push my buttons, put their feet on me and making me all uncomfortable. I felt trapped. I I truly identify with the words of the 2000 poet Akon who said, I'm locked up. They won't let me out. Oh, they won't let me out. I'm struggling, y'all. And so if I'm jumping around today excited, elated, have full of joy, I'm just glad to be out of the house. I was trapped. Family, I love y'all. Please don't take that seriously. But here's the reality. The writer of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, knew all too well what it meant to be trapped. You see, as he pens this letter to the church at Ephesus, he is stuck in prison. He is uh, told where he can go, when he can go, when to get up, when to eat. He is stuck in prison. And in the midst of this, he writes this letter to the church at Ephesus that is called the book of Ephesians. Now... Ephesus was a very modern city in its day. It was the capital of the Roman Empire in Asia. And it was not only a beautiful city, but it was an educated, sophisticated, and wealthy city. It was a city known for its wonders and known for its beauty. And in the midst of that, in this city, the church was thriving. The church was growing and expanding. In fact, Paul spends three years in this city of Ephesus because it was a port city and the gospel was going all over the world but in the midst of that there was a problem that arose two main problems which really prompted Paul to write this letter the first is that although the children or the church was enjoying the benefits of God they were not living a life that reflected God and then there was a division and a divide that threatened their unity If you look at the news or read the newspaper or follow anybody on Facebook, you probably realize that this sounds very similar to our world today. You see, our country is a great country. It is a blessed nation. God has favored us and blessed us. But if we are honest, in some places, we have fallen short of God's standard in our nation. And at the same time, we see that Although our nation has tried to heal from this wound of racism and discrimination over the last few weeks, this wound that tried to scab and heal over was blown wide open again with the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and others. 
this difficult moment, this difficult season, this schism, this tension and division is the perfect moment for the church to rise up and say, we have the remedy. We have the solution because my brothers and sisters, it's not politics that's going to solve this. This is not anything but the blood of Jesus that's going to solve the issues in our country. It is the gospel that is the answer and the solution to the problems we face. It's the gospel of Jesus. You see, he is the solution to our problems. He was the payment for our sinful invoice. He is the answer to all of life's important questions. This is the time for us to stand up and to declare his kingdom come, his will be done. This is the time for us to shout that we have the answer. But within the body of Christ, there is tension and schism and there is difficulty within our body. We are trying to figure out what do we do in here? How do we move forward? How do we respond? We are also trying to figure out exactly what is our right answer? What is our right position on all of the issues facing us? We're also tempted to pick sides in temporal battles against the eternal kingdom principles that God has asked us to. In the midst of this darkness, it would seem like it's easy to fall into the trap of despair. But in the midst of this, Paul sees this and begins to pen this letter to the Ephesian church, telling them that there is hope, that although it looks dark right now, although it looks like it's not going to get better, God does some of his best work in the darkest night. There is a path forward, that God has a plan, that this is not how it's going to end, that Jesus will win in the the end but on the way forward there are some things we need to do to see his kingdom come there's some things that Paul lays out in the book of Ephesians that will help us see and chart a path forward now, verses 1 through 14 in the book of Ephesians is really Paul extolling and exalting God and expressing how great and good God is. But he takes a turn in verse 15 and finally addresses the uh, people at Ephesus. And there are three main things that I think if we are going to chart a way forward that Paul begins to reveal to us here that will be essential for us to do. Here's the first thing that I think is important for us to understand is that the way forward will be built on love. And I tell you that if we're going to see the change in the world today, it's going to happen through love. We're going to see the change in our families, in our nation, in our environments. It's going to happen through love. Paul does something interesting here. He connects faith with love. He intertwines these two ideas. Uh, and he, this is not the first place that he does it. In Colossians 1 and 4, Paul intertwines this whole idea of having strong faith and having love. And then he goes further in Titus 2 and 2. He begins to explain that it's important for us to have a sound face 
sound faith and be filled with love. What he's doing is really explaining a, a, a theological term. He's talking about our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy. Orthodoxy talks about what we believe. Orthopraxy talks about what we do. And what Paul is saying is that what we believe must be in alignment with what we do. That it main, the main issue that Jesus had with Pharisees was that you believe the right way, but your actions aren't lining up with what you believe. And finally, Paul says it as clear as day in Galatians 5 and 6. He says that the more, most important thing that we need to do is that our faith be expressed, expressing itself in love. That's what he's called us to do. That our faith should express itself in love. In fact, Jesus himself declares in the book of John, the world will know that you are my disciples, faith, belief, by your love for one another. I'll know that you are my disciples based on your love for one another. Here, here's the point, that a growing faith in Jesus is demonstrated by growing love for people. That a growing faith in Jesus, that's as our faith grows in Jesus, the more we get to know him, the more we get to learn about him, it is directly aligned with our growing love for other people. That the more we get to know Jesus, that our concern for others will grow. The more we get to know Jesus, that our empathy for others will grow. That the more we get to know Jesus, it will be demonstrated in our actions. Can I tell you that salvation is an inside-out job? That God begins to do the work on the inside and it is demonstrated by our love on the outside. This is what Paul encourages them to do. And this is what he celebrates about them. He says, you have strong faith and you have love for other people. Here's the second thing that I think is important for us to understand. If we're going to chart a path forward, is not only will it be built on love, but it will be built on prayer. My brothers and sisters, it is essential for us to understand that prayer makes a difference. That prayer is essential to the life of the believer. That prayer is our opportunity to agree with heaven. It is not an accident that Jesus, when teaching his disciples to pray, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning prayer is our opportunity to call heaven down onto earth. Prayer is our opportunity to connect with God, agree with God, and begin to see changes happen in our world. But here's the cool thing about prayer. Prayer does not just change things. Prayer changes us. And, and I know sometimes we don't really like to talk about that because we want to say God fix them and God fix those issues and God heal this and do this. But many of the times what God is saying is before I deal with the issue, I'm going to deal with you. Before I change anything on the outside, I'm going to change you on the inside. Prayer is essential. Paul understands this and he tells them that I pray for you constantly. In other words, he's saying, I'm, I don't stop praying for you. I'm going to pray for you always because I know it is necessary for the path forward to be successful. 
there are two prayers that we have to be intentional about praying if we're going to build or chart a path forward. Here's the first one. We have to pray for his spirit. Can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, maybe because y'all so much more saved and sanctified and, you know, you love Jesus more than me, but sometimes I really don't know what to do. Sometimes I am searching for answers. Sometimes I'm trying to figure out a way forward. But here's the good news, and what Paul is trying to express to the people in Ephesus is that you need to pray for God's spirit. Uh, the scripture said pray for wisdom, and another version, it says pray for the spirit of wisdom. What we really need to pray for is pray for God's Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us. It is essential for us in the days and times that we live in. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead and guide us. What he says is that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will tell us what to pray. In Isaiah, when we don't know where to go, we will hear his voice in our ears telling us whether to go to the left or to the right. When we don't know what to plan, God is ordering our steps. Can I tell you, we need to pray for the Spirit of God because it is necessary for us to make the right decisions moving forward in our lives. Here's what uh, Jesus says in John chapter 16 and verse 13. The disciples are about to go through a transition. They have never been where they are going before. They are about to move forward in an existence where Jesus has left them physically. And Jesus says, I know this is going to be different. I know you've never been here before. I know you don't exactly know the way forward, but here's the truth. Is that I'm sending my spirit. And when the Holy Spirit has come, when the comforter has come, when the spirit has come, he will lead you into all truth. He will help you see where you should go and what you should do. And here's the fact of the matter. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us in the days ahead. We need God's guidance to help us move forward. We need God's guidance to help us to know what decisions to make, where to go, how to respond, how to move forward. We need God's help. Paul understands this connection between knowing God and be able to know what to do. He says, I pray that you have more wisdom so that your knowledge of God would increase. You see, you have to know God in order to know what the right move to make is. But there's a second prayer in the midst of what Paul is talking about that I think is essential for us to pray if we are going to chart a path forward. And that second prayer is that we need to pray for a clarity of purpose. God, what do you want me to do? God, why am I here? What is my response? God, where have you called me to make a difference? Notice in the text, Paul is encouraging them. He's saying, look here, I, I need you to understand I want you to be flooded with light so that you can understand the hope of your calling for those who are called 
in Christ Jesus who are God's rich and glorious inheritance. What he is saying is that you were created on purpose, that God has an assignment for your life, that you are essential to what God is trying to do in the earth. That God is including you in his plan, not excluding you. That you are a part of the difference that God wants to make in the world today. You are essential to what God is trying to do. And this is necessary for us to understand. Here's what he says in Ephesians. Paul says it like this, that we are God's workmanship. Or another version says we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works which he has prepared for us long ago. I need you to understand that God has a plan for your life, that he has a place for you to make a difference in this world, that he has called you to build bridges and tear down walls, that all of us have a place that looks different, and it will look different for all of us. Some of you are called to build businesses. Some of you are called to, to serve in churches. Some of you are called to serve in government. Some of you are called to serve in your community. Some of you are called to build strong family and strong children. Wherever you serve, here is the bottom line. Is that our purpose is to follow Jesus in making a difference in the lives of others. When you boil it down to its common Thread is all of our purposes is to follow Jesus in making a difference in the lives of others. And it's essential for us to know Jesus in order to know what that looks like. You see, Jesus has been our example and he makes it clear where we are supposed to respond and many times my brothers and sisters we don't know what to do we don't know how to respond but the good news that we have is that Jesus has set an example for us and the truth of the matter is Jesus is never silent or neutral on issues that concern people Jesus is never silent or neutral on issues that concern people you see Jesus sat and ate with Matthew when other people criticized him. Jesus kneeled and defended the woman caught in adultery when others wanted to stone her. Jesus went out of his way to talk to the woman at the well when his disciples preferred he ignored her. Jesus healed the ear of a man who came to arrest him when others wanted to fight him. And for us, when Jesus saw our sins, he chose the cross to die, to set us free and give us forgiveness and connect us back with the Father. Here is the reality. Jesus cares about us. Jesus is never silent or neutral on issues that matter to people because people matter to God. Because people matter to God. They matter to us. Maybe you're in this room and you're struggling with that notion. Maybe you are watching online and you've been wrestling with insecurity. I want to tell you, not only do people matter to God, but you matter to God. And he cares for you. And he is with you. And he has called his church to be a light and share that light, to be an example. 
And so, yes, if we are going to chart a, a path forward, it's going to be built on love. It's going to be built on prayer. And it's going to be built by praying for God's spirit to infill us and, and, and praying for God to clarify our purpose so we can walk out those things. But if we are honest, those things are very hard to do. You see, God never calls us to a life of comfort, but he calls us to a life of sacrifice. God calls us to do hard things and difficult things, unusual things. And if we're honest, it's a challenge for us to do it by ourselves. But I love what Paul does here at the end of all of this. He acknowledges that this is a challenge. He understands that they are fighting against culture and they can't do this by themselves. But he then po points these people in Ephesus and in, in, in our day, he points us to the hope that is found in Scripture. That although it looks challenging, although it looks like we can't do it, he points us to a hope that gives us assurance. He tells us that the way forward will be built through God's power. It is not going to be us that do it. It is not of us. It's not going to be our strength, but it's going to be God's power. And this is probably the most beautiful piece of this particular scripture because Paul begins to break down what God's power looked like. The first thing that he tells us about God's power is that we have access to it. He says that I hope, I pray that you would know that God's great surpassing power is available for those who believe. And I, I remember the old saints used to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that we have access to God's power, that his power is available to us, that even though we can't do it in our own strength, we got a God who is greater, who is bigger, who is stronger, who can fight our battles, and we can tap into that power. Paul said it like this, that when I am weak, he is strong because his power and his strength we got access to. But here's the second thing that he says in this. Not only do we have access to his power, but God's power is a superior power. I need you to understand today that whatever you're facing, God's power is bigger and greater than that. What our nation is facing today, God's power is bigger and greater than that. Look at what Paul says. He says his power is greater than any ruler, any authority, any leader, any, anything that would lift up itself, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So anything that comes up against us, anything that comes up against God's plan must bow at the name of Jesus. God's power is bigger and greater than racism, discrimination, isolation. God's power is bigger and greater than COVID and separation and politics. God's power is greater his power is greater heaven will prevail mountains will be moved the darkness will be pushed back because his power is greater but here here's the good news y'all and this is my shout this is the good news is at the end of this he says and Christ has all authority 
notice when you are wrestling with something, he starts that crisis, uh, God's power is bigger than every other thing. But he closes with Christ has all authority. In other words, what he's saying is Christ isn't fighting anymore. He has already won the battle and overcome. And we are just waiting for the manifestation of heaven on earth. We are waiting for God's authority to be spread throughout the land and the nations. Christ has already won. Can I tell you? Christ has authority over your marriage. Christ has authority over your family and your children. Christ has authority over your job. He rules and he reigns. Some of you are struggling with that. I want to tell you this quick story my daddy told me. Um, he told me about a boy who was in his room reading a book. And he was in this room, he's reading the book, and he kept saying, you going to get it. you going to get it. You're going to get it. And finally, the father opened the door and said, son, what are you doing? And he looked to his father and said, dad, I was reading the book. And the book was about a good cowboy and a bad cowboy. And while I was reading, the bad cowboy kept beating up the good cowboy. And I got nervous, so I flipped to the end of the book. And at the end of the book, I realized that the, cow, the good cowboy defeats the bad cowboy in the end. So I went back to where I was and I began every time I saw it, I said to the bad cowboy, you gonna get it, you gonna get it, you gonna get it and I need you to hear me, hear the word of the Lord. Whatever you're facing, that's going to die. It's going to be defeated because Christ is in authority. He rules and he reigns and he will get the victory. He will get the victory. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for our church, for our city, our nation. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2 and 14, it talks about at Christ's death, it tore down the walls of division between us. And I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus that every wall of separation will be torn down. Every schism, everything that threatens our unity will be defeated and destroyed. That God has a way forward and it's going to be led by his church. He has a way forward for each and every one of us. For some of you in this room, you're struggling at home. Some of you are struggling on your job. Some of you are struggling in friendships and you're looking for a path forward. I need you to understand that God has a way forward for you. But there may be somebody who is here in this room or watching online that your way forward really starts with saying yes to Jesus, to surrendering your life to him, to giving God a chance. You have tried everything else. I want to encourage you to try Jesus. I want to pray with you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your word that has been shared with us today. Thank you for your encouragement and hope that there is a way forward, that there is brighter days ahead, that your goodness and mercy shall follow us. God, help us to know that that way forward will be built 
on love. Help us to understand that that prayer is essential and if we're going to move forward, we have to build our lives on prayer, praying for your spirit. And I pray for a Pentecost experience, a uniting experience in our lives. And God, we have to find our place where you have called us to fit. And ultimately, God, help us to rely on your power, knowing that you are bigger and greater than every obstacle that we face. And God, for the person who has never said yes to you, I pray today would be that day that they would say yes to you, that they would surrender their lives and pray this simple prayer. If this is you, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, save me, change me, make me into the person that you want me to be. Change my life, I give it to you now. And Father, we present this nation before you, our city before you. We decree and declare heaven come. We decree and declare that every lie of the enemy be broken. We decree and declare that every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God be teared down. We decree and declare racism broken. We decree and declare discrimination broken. We decree and declare freedom over your church, your nation, your people. We believe you to do it and we depend on you. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody clap your hands and say amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.